How you doing? Good. Any Celebrate Recovery people in the house? Not bad. All right. Well, y'all are today because I need you guys to scream and be loud because I like it. Because I am free. Man, I am free in the name of Jesus. You feel free today? Not bad. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're used to a lively crowd. Pastor Andy's in. Awesome. First, I just want to thank Pastor Brent, man. I just give him honor. We love our pastor, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, man, he, he is amazing. I just love him. And thank you so much, Pastor, for just believing in me and giving me opportunity and lifting me up when I, when I needed it, for sure. And that's what our church is all about. Amen? For sure. Um, guys, uh, today, or actually next week, is my first full-time. I'm, I'm now at the West Side Campus. I'm the campus pastor. Super excited about that. Man, yeah, that, that is really cool, man. I, uh, last night as I was preaching here, though, I was just thinking, like, um, man, I love Celebrate Recovery. I do. I love Celebrate Recovery. I love what God's been doing in that program, and I'm still the pastor of that. Julie is now the director of it because she does everything better than me. <laughs> she just does. Um, she looks better, which is... I married up. That's pretty cool, eh, Andy? Amazing. Um, oh, I look pretty good, eh, Ron? But anyway, she looks better. Um, she's, she's now the director of Celebrate Recovery, running that. I'm the pastor of that. I knew some speaking there. But I just, man, I love that program. One of the things I realized, I was with a friend. Uh, um, we were doing an accountability thing. We were out for a run. And I just realized, you know, he, he was saying he was thinking of doing this and that. And we are just being accountable. And I was like, man, you know, something, recovery is something I'll always have to work. Um, it's something we'll always have to work. And, and I just love what God is doing through our church and how we're recovery-minded and how God is going to raise us up. And I don't believe for a second, if you're here today, that you can't survive what you're going through. I, I just don't. You cannot tell me. I can, you tell me the sin, and I'll give you a testimony. <laughs> like, I've got testimony after testimony of people just being lifted up in this church, and it is just amazing, and it is no different. And God just loves to use broken people. He does. And I believe whatever you're going through, he will raise you up. He will heal you of it. If it's your family issues or whatever it is, that we will survive. Have you ever been in a situation where you just thought, there's no way I'm going to survive? You just, this isn't going to happen. I know for me, I got a little story that years ago, I guess it was Halloween night. And man, oh man, um, my mother decided to dress me up as a carrot. <laughs> a carrot. For Halloween, and I wasn't like a little kid, and I wasn't the tough guy in the school. Like I did, I needed all the help I could get. If you look at this picture, this is what I had to work with. I did not need the carrot costume. If my mother's here, she should come to the altar now and repent for sure. We will take a minute and do that. Man, it was unbelievable. She dressed me in this full carrot, and I could walk like this. And I remember her driving around. I'm thinking, I don't know what my brother was, but he must be the favorite. So anyway, I was the carrot, and man, it was bad. Like, I remember going, and then we're driving through the neighborhood. We grew up in a small town, and I'm, and I'm driving through the neighborhood. And, of course, there's always that one house who has the big dog. Who remembers the big dog house growing up, man? Whether you delivered papers, there was always that big dog. Anyway, we pull in John Mawinney. John Mawinney, if you're watching, why did you have such a big, mean dog with all us young kids? You need to repent of the dog. Crazy. Anyway, I'm going in. So, Mom, I'm not going in there. I'm not doing it. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I don't know why. I didn't tell him. Like, Mom. What? Anyway, I got this thing. So, I'm walking in, and I'm going up the stairs, trying to get up the stairs, and I got this full care costume on, man, and I go in, and the dog is there, laying there, and it's the screen door, and I'm thinking, no way. 
This isn't happening. Nathan, you go first. No, you go first. You go. So I go in, and, and of course, I don't know if the dog barked or if it just went, uh. But anyway, I was gone. Out through the screen door, ripped the carrot costume the whole way up. And man, I thought, there's no way I'm going to survive. This dog is going to eat me. But guess what? I did survive. Everybody say, I will survive. We will. How many times have you been in a situation where you said, I'm not going to survive, but you did survive? It seems we do survive, but most things we do come through. For addiction, me, man, I, I survived that battle, but I can tell you what, it didn't need to take this long. I could have done it much shorter if I would have listened to what God was trying to tell me and what he was doing through me and listened to people around me, but I survived it, but not the way I wanted to survive it. And if you're going through something today, maybe it's kids, Maybe it's your work that you don't like. I know in a crowd this big, there's many of us here, you know, that just been abused. Maybe something that happened 21 years ago, and you're wearing that today, and you just can't get rid of it, and it's keeping, it's keeping you from allowing Jesus to do in you what he wants to do. You're wearing this burden that you were never meant to wear. You, you've got something over you that is just keeping you from your purpose, right? And we've been journeying through... Genesis, and Joseph could definitely relate to that. He could relate to that, man. Joseph was through the ringer. Who's been through our Genesis series a bit with us? Knows the story of Joseph, man. That guy's been through. And I know we read through the Bible and we think, woo-woo, and we, you know, whatever. But like when you actually look at Joseph, this guy was tossed in a pit by his brothers alone, right? And one of the things I see at Celebrate Recovery, man, it just defeats people, and it's not even so much addiction, You know, only one in four people struggle with addiction at Celebrate Recovery. It's being codependent where they feel alone or you rely on your husband being well so you can be well. How many of us have prayed prayers for somebody else hoping they'll get better so we feel better? Whew. Man, like, like that's not what it's not about us. Right, so if they're doing well, we're doing well. So Joseph's alone in this pit and, you know, we've got no friends and we just feel alone. It's like, there's no way I can survive. I cannot get through this. Slave traders come by. They sell him into slavery, he's in this house and he's kind of excelling and then he's betrayed and he's thrown in prison and many of us are in our own type of prison today and like I said, that could be abuse, that could be a job that you just hate, it could be depression, it could be anxiety, fear, worry, or it could be addiction, something that happened to you years ago that you just can't, you can't get past and, and I just love in Joseph's story when, when I was reading through this. Of course, Pastor Brent, you know, he, he gave me the, the passage, and I'm sitting there, I think it was on Sunday night, and I had 14 words, not good. Um, and I'm meeting with him because he wants to see what I got, because we just don't give the microphone to anybody, right? And I'm thinking 14 words, and all I know is capitals and periods, odd question mark, not big on the highlight and the whole deal. I'm thinking, what are we going to do? And I just looked at Joseph's story, and I'm thinking, how am I going to survive this sermon? How am I going to do this? And how is Joseph... How did he survive his... i got to figure out this iPad here. Here we go. I ran into this last night. There we go. So how will Joseph, or how did he survive this? This guy had the worst of the worst, yet he seemed to survive. And not only survive, he seemed to kind of thrive in his own way. And my Bible people are waiting. Like, you guys are amazing. How long would you have stood there? All right, who wants a Bible? Let's do this. Who wants a... They're amazing. Our red shirts. Give our red shirts a hand. Wow, like, that was impressive. That was a test, and you passed. Who wants a Bible? All right, take a Bible if you want a Bible. So Joseph could relate. 
He's in prison, and one thing we're going to discover today is that Joseph was going through, um, as we go through, we're going to look that Egypt went through a physical famine. If you know the story at all, that they go through a physical famine where there's no food. But we're going to look at two aspects of famine, where Joseph actually was going through a personal and emotional famine. And as I was looking at the scripture with my 14 words on the top of the screen, I'm going through, it's like, Joseph, how did he do this? How did he do this? And I, and I looked at a few things as I was reading through this scripture. So Joseph has now been in prison. He interpreted a couple dreams. Um, his buddies were going to get him out of prison because he interpreted those dreams and those dreams came true. They forgot about him and left him there. Who ever felt like they've been forgotten? Help somebody out and you just feel alone. You've done something. But Joseph obviously didn't do that for his own gain. There was obviously more to this. And as Joseph, so he's sitting there. Pharaoh has a dream, right? And these guys can interpret it. So they're probably trying to get one up on Joseph again. They're thinking, hey, I know a guy that can do this. And so they call and Joseph comes before Pharaoh. And I love what they do. They, what they do is they go get Joseph. Here it says in, um, where are we at? Okay, verse uh, 41, verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once and he was quickly brought from the prison and he shaved and changed his clothes he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Our first thing I'm going to look at as I was reading through this, I said, man, the first thing Joseph did is he got up. It's our first point. I, we, we get up. And as I was reading through this, I thought of a story of, of my friend. Um, he comes to our Celebrate Recovery program, and he's just amazing. And this guy's done 32 years. In Who's done more than 32 years? Exactly. So you have no excuse. Jeff, you didn't. You raised your hand. Funny guy. Um, like, just incredible. And I'm sitting with this guy. And he's like, Adam, I am so broken. I'm so broken. I've been in and out of jail my whole life, like 32 years, and his, his wrists are fused from fighting, and his ankles are all busted up. And, and he says, but you know what, man? He says, every morning I get up, I put my clothes on, I walk to the bus stop, I get on the bus, I go to work, I work, and I come home, and I praise Jesus, and I thank him because I'm not going back where I was. <laughs> Amen. And I tell you right now, that's getting up. And if he can get up, so can we. Joseph, we didn't have, like, Joseph didn't have church to go to to encourage him like we do. He didn't have community groups. He didn't have Celebrate Recovery. He didn't have youth programs. He didn't have retreats and conferences and worship music. Like, man, we have tons of places where we can go to help us get up in the morning. And I can tell you, many of us um, just do not change our clothes. And I love this, this scripture. The first thing that is, they shave. They shave them. And he allowed this to happen. And I can just picture him being in old clothes that didn't fit from being in prison. And, and clothes that he didn't deserve to wear because it wasn't his fault because he was there. Many of us go through life and we pick up things that we were never meant to pick up. Things were put on us that we were never supposed to wear. Things happen to us. It might be generational. You know, you might be a child of divorce and now you're thinking about leaving your wife and your children are going to go through the same thing because you're not willing to dig in and make an effort. Maybe you've been molested. Man, we deal with that, and that's a real, I know that's heavy to say. We're getting at nine in the morning here. It's pretty crazy, but that is a thing, and I see that all the time in our recovery ministries here at church, and it's just, it's bad, and we wear that, and we come, and I just think of it like this. We wear things that just don't look right. They just don't fit. This looks great, eh? And many of us, this is what we look like. We wear something that we were never meant to wear. And we come into church and we worship and we pray. Some of us even hang it up. And that's the worst, man. We hang it up and then we put it back on. 
the shame and the guilt of something that might have happened to us that wasn't your fault, we wear it. And I love how Joseph, he came before Pharaoh and he got up and he shaved and he stood there. How many business guys, if I came into your interview wearing this, what would you think? Imagine. And we wear this. And the other thing is, is after I wear this for a few minutes, I get used to it. And then I don't even know what's there. And that's where church comes in. That's where community comes in. That's where getting filled by the Holy Spirit and talking to God, where you can start to recognize what your true identity is. That's where things start to change. And we start to take this off. And, and Joseph understood, and he changed his clothes, and he took this old coat off. You guys are going to love this. Thank goodness my wife's not here. I wouldn't be able to finish. No one laughed. You might laugh in a sec. And he put a new clothes on, and he put something on, and his old identity was gone. Bam! What do you think of this? Mom, Dad would be proud. Woo, a jacket in church, just like the old days. But, um, <laughs> man, and, and you feel good. You do, you feel good, you look good, because he got up and he changed and he got dressed. And then Joseph, you know, the thing is, Jesus, once he saves us, you're saved. That's it. You will never be more forgiven. You will never be more loved. And he does not see that. He sees this. When you walk by the mirror, you need to be like, whoo, baby, I look good. Holy Spirit, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for raising me up. Thank you for freeing me. And once you're saved, you are forgiven. But freedom takes some time. And that's my story. Freedom takes some time. It truly does. It takes some time to move through. And I love where Joseph comes in front of Pharaoh and he's cleaned up and he's dressed up and he got up and he embraced what was gonna happen. And the cool thing is, is Joseph didn't let his past oppositions rob him of his present opportunity. So he's in front of Joseph or in front of Pharaoh and he's like, man, I'm gonna nail this because I'm not going back there because that's not who I was. I was never meant to be there. You were never meant to wear that coat of addiction. You were never meant to wear that coat of shame. That failure never lived up to what your dad said you were going to be or tried to fill his shoes that were way too big or wearing a jacket from a past generational sin in your family and you just think, well, my dad was an alcoholic, I'll be an alcoholic or my mom was depressed, I'll be depressed or, you know, my dad never had a good job so I just won't go to school and excel. Get up, get moving. And Joseph goes in front of Pharaoh and he nails this interview. He does. And I love what it says. Um, so he, Joseph's in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him this dream. And it's about a bunch of, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but it's skinny cows eating fat cows, and the skinny cows stay skinny. I wish that was me. Man, I wish I could eat stuff and stay skinny. Doesn't happen. And then there was healthy heads of grain or, or weak heads of grain that had ate healthy heads of grain, and it was just a bad, it was, it was a confusing dream, and I can just see that. And I love how Joseph was filled with the Spirit, and I love how he answered this. His first response in his first Genesis 41, 16, it is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. Man, first thing he said, it wasn't like, hey man, I'll nail this, I got this. I got this, I'll nail it. No, it was like, hey, this is beyond my power. Hard to believe when you stand up for who you really are and what you really believe in, what God will do, and we'll see here in the story what God does. But I'll tell you what it means and set you at ease. God will tell you what it means. Power and grace. Man, when you start to be filled with grace and filled with the Holy Spirit and rely on his power, things will really change. Holy Spirit is in you. He's your helper. He's to lift your head when you can't. He's to, to push you along. He's to be there when you're scared. And you need to rely on him. And you need to be filled up. You need to be filled up. Jesus tells us trials are coming. Says it in John 16, And he also told us that he has come to overcome them. Man, trials are coming. Don't wake up every morning expecting trials. 
I'm not saying that, oh, woe is me, I'm walking through the wilderness. That wasn't the wilderness Jesus was in. It was full of power and life, and that same power and life can live in us. Amen? I think you're listening. I can't tell. A little laugh, that's all right. And so Joseph is full of the spirit. He's in front, he nails the interview, he looks good, he's feeling good. And I know for me, many of us would say, how do we get filled up? Like, how do we get filled up? I use illustrations all the time. In recovery ministries, people are like, I said, go spend time with God, man. Like, how do I get filled up? Well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. You need to get filled up. I remember for me, I was walking in the woods and I was in a broken state. And that's what I love, is God doesn't care what state you're in. Like, come before him. Don't wait to get cleaned up before you see him before you come before him, before you call on him. And I'm there and I'm broken and I'm like, man, I'm not gonna survive. There's no way I can survive this famine. There's no way I can get through this. How in the world am I gonna survive this? And God said, Adam, would you kind of relax? I just felt a presence over me. And he's like, would you relax and get to know me and get to see yourself the way I see you? Would you take off those clothes? Would you move forward? Well, man, I'm just a, an addict. I'm not worthy, man. I've blown this. I've got two boys at home and, and a wife that I can, man... I just can't go on. He's like, yeah, you can. I'm gonna call you into something different. You're gonna take one step at a time. You're gonna get up and I'm gonna fill you up. And you know what fills me up? What fills me up is going for a run with a friend and encouraging him and seeing him give his life to Jesus. Or fills me up when I'm here and people come forward and say, hey man, I wanna give my life to Christ. That starts to fill us up. You go to your workplace and start being on fire for Jesus and see what happens inside of you. You start standing up for what you really believe and not being so wishy-washy and wear your new coat and be proud that Jesus has covered you in the Holy Spirit. You watch what happens. I dare you. For the person that's unemployed, I dare you to get up and get off the couch and put the Xbox controller down. My kids love the Xbox. I hate it. Anyway, the Xbox controller down and go out and start talking to people, saying, hey, you know what, man? I go to this church. Why don't you come with me? See what happens. I dare you to see. Come see me in three months, maybe even a week of doing that. You start to change, your attitude starts to change and you get full of the spirit. I dare you to live for him. He will raise you up to something you never expected. Never expected. We're busy and we have tons of things going on and God just wants to come into all that and help us. So Joseph interprets the dream, nails the interview. And I love um, one thing that he says here, I don't know if I have it on the screen, but verse 31 It says the famine will get so severe. So after the good years, the famine will get so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. We cannot count on the good days to get us through the bad days. Like, not to be Mr. Negative here, but who here understands, this is profound, write it down, life is hard. (laughs) But life is awesome with him. Man, I love going through the hard things with a friend and seeing God just shine in it. I love being in my truck ready to throw the towel in saying, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm done. I just wanna go to work and come home. And then the phone will ring. It's like, will you talk to my son? Will you do this? Will you do that? And then people come into Christ and it's like, man, he lifts me up. He shows up every time. You cannot count on your good days to get you through your bad days. You need to be filling up with the Spirit. You need to be involved in community group churches and getting filled up and investing in others. Joseph nails this interview. He interprets this dream. And, I, and what it is is the dream was good years, bad years. So they're saying there's going to be seven years of famine and there's going to be seven good years. And as of Joseph 
So he says, man, who else could be full of the Spirit more than Joseph? Even Pharaoh noticed, a pagan noticed that he was full of the Spirit. Once you're full of the Spirit, you can't fake it. Once you become full, you cannot fake it. For some reason, man, it's, it's, it's easier to try to fake living right. You know what I mean? We come here and we look like this, but we're actually wearing this underneath. Like, like we can fake that, but when God is in you, who's been around somebody full of the Holy Spirit? Man, I, I know I love being around people and I look for people. I remember having a list on my phone and I just called. You know, I got up and I was filled up and I said, hey man, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna call. Hey, I can't have coffee, okay, next number, next number. I wanted to be around people where I could see that fire in their eyes because I knew it was contagious and you cannot fake it. And Pharaoh saw that Joseph was full of it. So he put him in charge of all of Egypt. Man, this guy was pimping now. He had the chariot with the spinners. He had all the horses. I would have really messed that up. Oh man, I would have like... Yeah, I would have messed the famine up. I wouldn't have. And I love how Joseph, because he, he got up, because he was filled up, he began to store up. And that's our third point, where he stored up. He knew that just because it was good times, that bad times were coming. And again, that's not a negative. That's called life. So how do we survive famine? We need to use our head. We need to use God's word. And Joseph did that. So he stored up. And he stored up the grain. He didn't store up the beef jerky. He didn't store up all the big steaks and the cows and all the things like that. He stored up grain because he knew it would, it would last. It wouldn't go bad. And many of us store up in things that aren't eternal. Like we have many things in our storehouse that are not healthy. I know for me, I stored up in, actually I didn't store up much money. <laughs> I spent it though. I don't know if that counts. But anyway, um, probably should have saved more. Anyways, that's the past. God has freed me, amen, cool. And, uh, but we store up things that don't matter. We do, we, don't, we store up bananas, man. They don't last, they just don't. We store up in, man, if I could only be the CEO of this company, man, and that's not saying that that's unhealthy, man. We need that, and we need you to tithe like 20% or 30, if you're that. <laughs> Anyways, if you're storing up, like, like we need CEOs, we need that, and that, that is really cool. But if that's what fills you, it is not gonna last. Because what's going to happen is you're going to put everything you have in your company, your business, and your kids are going to be grown up, and you haven't invested in your kids, which is something eternal, and now there's nothing to do, or you don't know your wife anymore, the kids are growing up, it's like, hey, who are you? We need to invest in things that are eternal, our relationships. We need to, well, there isn't a community group that I fit in, we'll start one. Well, people don't understand my struggles, we'll start a group that has your struggle. Watch people come, dare you. I dare you to do that one. You'll need a bigger house. But you need to store up in eternal things. We need to invest. We need to change our investments. We need to invest in stuff that will last. The things that invest for me, man, the things that just fill me up and I want to invest in is people's lives. And when I invest in people's lives and I tell them about Jesus and I tell them the saving power, and it's simple, man. I'm not a scholar by any means. I'm not even close, simple electrician. And I just tell people, man, that Jesus can do this. I don't have all the words. Well, hey, man, what should I do? Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Listen, well, what do I do in the winter? Uh, I haven't been asked that yet. Go inside for a walk or find a quiet place and open his word and, and get it. And I, and I just love how when, when it came to an end, when, when the, the famine finally came and the good years were over and Joseph was healed up, he was given two sons. And, man, and one son was named uh, Manasseh, which was... We had. Anyways, it was a son where it, it forgot, it, it gave him the strength to forget about his whole family. He named his son Manasseh, and it was forget my trials, forget everything. 
And then his next son was Ephraim, and that was like, it made him fruitful in his land of grief. When we start to fill up, when we start to store up, we start to heal up. And man, and that's when the power comes and we start to walk in true freedom. We do. Once you're healed up, then you can start to forgive and forget what really was going on. Your language starts to change and you start to understand that it's not what was wrong, but it was what was made right. And we begin to be free. And I love here, as the famine came to an end, and now everybody in the world was starving, and they had one place to go, and that was to Joseph. Pharaoh sent everybody to Joseph and, and buy what you need or get what you need. And I, and I love how just how it says, and when people cried out to Pharaoh for food, when people cried out, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you to. Man, our friends and our families are crying out for freedom. And we had like 140 people at Celebrate Recovery last week. Many free, many broken. And every week there's new faces. And every week at our church we have people coming through our doors that are just broken. We're wearing a mask. And maybe it's you today that you're just busted up and those three little things where, man, you need to get up tomorrow. You're not defeated. It's not over. He'll raise you up. He will. He will. And he'll fill you up. And you need to start storing up in things because you don't want to be caught in a hurricane holding a hammer. You just don't. You can't build something in the storm because the storm is coming and we'll embrace it and we'll hit it. We are the head, not the tail. Sometimes all we feel like the tail and we need to be prepared for when things come because he will raise you up. And I think of it like this. We'll see how this works today. Last night, it, there we go. Like, we pray, we come to church, but we're wearing something that's not ours. And when a storm comes, when something comes along and we're not digging in and we're not, you know, receiving God and saying, God, fill me with your spirit, fill me with your Holy Ghost, show me where to go, I wanna walk out. Saying yes to things you're scared to say yes to in church and just getting involved and starting a group. If those, if you're not doing that, man, when, when the storms of life come, you just blow out. There's nothing there to relight. There's nothing to ignite, and you go right in panic. When your son messes up, you go in panic mode because you're not truly free. We need to be, I'm free from me, which allows me to be free from you so I can enjoy him, right? We need to be free from me so I can be free from you and enjoy him, and that way I can help you get to know him, and we can all be free. And then there's the other person that comes to church and they're involved, and they actually spend time and they pray, and they love on people, and they call on the Lord, and they fill up, and they have groups, and they, and they actually go to those groups, and they invest, and they tell people about their story, and they shine bright for him. And when things get tough, when the storms of life come, we just keep trucking through, and we say, you know what, God? I know that you can get me through this, Jesus. I know that you are bigger than my struggle. I know you're bigger than my pain. And even though I don't feel like it today, I know that you will fill me up and you will raise me up and you will call me to something more. I know when my friend starts to struggle that I can be there for him because I'm gonna dig into your word. I'm gonna open it, not just to read it. I had a friend tell me, don't ever read the Bible for a sermon. Read the Bible to get to know him and the sermon will come through him. 
get to read it to know him. So when the storms of life come and, and, and this hurricane comes in your life, one morning you wake up and the phone rings or, or one of your children blows you out. Let's see. When the storm gets tough, <laughs> ah, bam, it relights, praise God. Woo, man, it relights. When the storm comes, it will light you up because guess what? It's not your responsibility to relight your fire. It's your responsibility to get to know him and give him your struggles and, and get up in the morning and say, God, we got this. Well, I got all this stuff. I got this court date. I've got this dead-end job. Man, my marriage is a mess and there's infidelity. And man, I've got this secret addiction and I just can't kick it. I'm codependent. My whole life depends on people thinking I'm well so I can feel well. God wants more for you. And you're not responsible to light that fire. We're gonna stand. And for some of you today, we're gonna pray, we're gonna close. For some of you today, you may have never accepted Jesus. And I'll never do a talk without giving an opportunity to accept Jesus. And if you haven't put Jesus first in your life, if you haven't said, hey, I'm a sinner and I need you. My life is a mess, I cannot do it on my own, I need you. I know you came and died for me and we put him first and it's just a simple prayer. And if you say that today with us for the first time, we want you to come forward. You know, at the end with our prayer team, we wanna partner with you, we wanna just give, give you a Bible, give you any information, get you connected in our multiple groups. Or maybe you're the person today that, that's just, man, your fire goes out every time something happens. Every time, the phone call, boom, you go off the handle. And you just gotta take those three things, you know, look, man, like you gotta say, am I filled up? Am I storing up? Do I get up or do I just lay down and die? And I'm just gonna pray a prayer after this prayer over that. But first together, we're gonna say this prayer together. And I just pray that you'd say this out loud, our whole church family and you online, if you're saying it for the first time, let us know. But we're gonna say it together. I believe. I believe. No, better. I believe. I believe. That Jesus died for me. That I'm a sinner. And he died for me and rose. So I may have eternal life. That I may be free, and I will follow him for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who said that for the first time? Please raise your hand if there's somebody. And I'll always say it. doesn't matter. And if you said that in your heart, if you would let us know later. And guys, I'm just going to pray a prayer over this before we jump into worship, just over all of us, that God would just raise us up that we would allow him. There's many things in our life that we're just preventing Jesus to do something special in us. And we need to take that jacket off and we need to lay that down today because he wants to do something magnificent in you. He wants to raise you up. He wants to give you abundant life. He wants you to be spirit-filled. He wants your family to be healed. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you so much for our church. We thank you so much for who you are. We praise you. God, I pray for the person here today that just feels like they cannot go on, that they will. Like my friend, they'll get up, they go to the bus, they go to work, they come home, God, they'll put the work in. We work out our salvation, God. I pray for the family here that's just broken and tore apart, God, that they would just understand that, that, that our peace doesn't come from that, that we need to get it from you, that we need to be filled with your spirit so we can actually function in this world that's tough. God, and I pray that our investment will change, that we start investing on eternal things, things that will last, things that will get us through the famine, things that will allow us to thrive in times of famine. 
not just survive, God. I thank you so much for everybody here. And as, as we just worship and we praise, God, I pray something inside us would just stir and ignite. And it would just be a fresh season, Holy Spirit, that you would just come upon us and fill us. God, you love us and you want what's best for your children. And you see us as clean and holy and righteous, God. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome.